So if you would turn to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Last week we finished up chapter 13, which is the chapter on love. And remember, love is action. Agape love, love is action. Action does things for people. Okay, Action does things. This was Paul's more excellent way that he spoke of in chapter 13. Yet I show you a more excellent way, he said, about instead of arguing about what gifts you have and, and all that stuff. Instead, it was to practice those spiritual gifts instead of clamoring for those uh, more notorious gifts or those more visible gifts. Instead, just exercise the gift that God has given you in love edifying one another, building one another up, not out of pride or conceit, but love. So this week as we look at chapter 14, we'll see Paul's exhortation to the Corinthians to edify one another in love using normal, everyday speech. So now he's kind of teaching the people the difference between this gift of tongues and, and this everyday speech. And, and it is true that the gift of tongues was useful and, and still is when other languages are needed. But it's a little different now than... Those sign gifts have, are no longer needed. So now instead of having the gift of tongues, we learn languages. We put forth effort. Anybody here speak more than one language? I know you do. So now you have another gift of language that you can speak. God's not going to give you this supernatural gift of tongues anymore. Those sign gifts have ceased. The word is validated. His speakers were validated by those, by those miraculous gifts. And he says, we, as we get to talking about this a little bit more, we talk about prophecy, the, the foretelling of God's word. You know, I, I also wonder if you know the, that miraculous gift of tongues was actually one separate language or maybe more which a person just knew without any previous study, which just came upon them at any time that they needed it when it was needed to converse with others. You know, that gift of tongues was so counterfeited that by, by Paul that Paul had to deal with all these issues and spent a couple different chapters on just that gift of tongues that people were clamoring for and thinking it was such a, a grand thing that they had to have that gift. They wanted to be up front. They wanted to, to stand up and be accounted for. They wanted to be somebody. And so as we learn today, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Let's dive into it. First uh, Corinthians 14 and verse 1. We'll read through the, the text first, then we'll go back and look at it in more detail. Verse 1, pursue love. Yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for edification, exhortation, and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but rather that you would prophesy, and greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edification. But now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you? Unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of a teaching. Yet even lifeless instruments, whether flute or harp in producing a sound if they do not produce a distinction in the tones how will it be known what is played on the flute or on the harp for if the trumpet produces an indistinct sound who will prepare himself for battle so you too unless you produce intelligible speech by the tongue how will it be known what is spoken for you will just be talking to the air there are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world and none is incapable of meaning 
So if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be unintelligible to the one who speaks. And the one who speaks will be unintelligible to me. So you too, since you are eager to possess spiritual gifts, strive to excel for the edification of the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue is to pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unproductive. Or what is the outcome then? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with the spirit, but I will sing with the mind also. For otherwise, if you bless God in the spirit only, how will the one who occupies the place of the outsider know when to say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you're saying? For you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person's not edified. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Nevertheless, in church, I prefer to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also, rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, do not be children in your thinking. Yet an evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written by men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people. And even so, they will not listen to me says the Lord. So then tongues are for a sign not to those who believe but to unbelievers. But prophecy is not for unbelievers but for those who believe. Therefore if the whole church gathers together and all the people speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're insane? But if I'll prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. So before we begin, I want to make a few observations. <clears throat> so we're starting off on the right foot. If you'll notice that Paul uses two slightly different words when he talks about tongues here in verses, at the beginning in verses 2 and 4 and 5. And in verses 2 and 4, he uses the singular word, tongue, and then in verse 5, he uses the plural word, tongues. This is very important. Now, the, the King James actually translates the uses in verse 2 and 4 as unknown tongues. Unknown tongues. And then in, in just tongues in verse 5. And that's. And we look at all this together, and we can see there's a difference here. That Paul is actually referencing two different things about tongues. Paul's use in verse 2 and 4 is indicating a, a false tongue, or what the Corinthians were using as gibberish, while verse 5 is actually indicating the true gift of languages. That distinction seems to make sense since there's so many languages, plural, but yet the counterfeit tongue would simply be gibberish. So it's not like you can have, well, you have different gibberishes, right? So that one gibberish, that singular use of tongue, is kind of what that's standing for. The plural is the, all the different languages. It's, so maybe to, to help us look at it a little bit different, let's, let me, I'm going to read the first few verses here in the King James and, and just where he plugs in the unknown tongue. See if it makes it a little easier to get the sense of that part of the passage. First Corinthians 4 uh, says, To follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. No man understands him. How bear it in the Spirit, he speaketh mysteries. But he that speaketh, but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. 
I would that you all spoke with tongues, plural, but rather that you prophesied, for greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. So in my mind, this seems to show better the two different usages of the gift, one, one a true gift, the spiritual gift of tongues, and one the counterfeit. So let's look first at the overall thought that's presented in these verses, and we'll drop back and see why Paul promotes that gift of prophecy rather than the gift of tongues. Paul first says in verse 2 that the person speaking the counterfeit tongue does not speak intelligibly. That the only person would even have an opportunity to understand would be God himself. I think that Paul's actually speaking a little bit sarcastically here because you, the normal human cannot just understand this man-made gibberish. So that speaker, he would not be edifying in any way, which is the reason Christ gave us spiritual gifts in the first place, was to edify the body of Christ. If you proclaim to have some special gift, yet no one is edified, is that truly a gift from God to edify the church? And I would say no. He then says that in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. And here I think that Paul's just referring to those things which would never be understood because you can't understand them. Right? You can't even understand what's going on. It's that nonsense spoken just like the pagans did at their idolatrous meetings where they worshipped um, false idols and pagan gods and they were controlled by their emotions and their drunken imaginations. They were just bringing that into the church. That was their background. That was their, that was their uh, history. And in verse 4, he writes that they would only edify themselves since no one would be able to understand. And once again, I think that Paul's really saying here that speaking in gibberish would only make the person look, look like he had some special gift or message and therefore he would receive praise and honor by those who were maybe more immature or um, in the faith or simply did not understand what was going on. Maybe they just came to see that man-made show. Do we see that today in some of the churches? Do we see people that want to be seen and heard? You usually tell your children you know, you're to be seen and not heard. Well, this bunch of Corinthians wanted to be seen and heard. He continues in verses 3 and 4, though, to prophesy, however, would edify all those who heard, and that it would be much greater than simply spouting some kind of gibberish. And lastly, in verse 5, Paul references the authentic gift of tongues and reminds them that the tongues or the languages must be interpreted so that the whole church can understand and be edified. The spiritual gift of prophecy or speaking forth the things of God would then be easily recognized as the greater gift for the edification of the church. It could be used to edify people, whereas the gibberish could not. So I hope that makes it a little bit clearer now as, we, as you read through that. Maybe in, in the next, next time you read through 1 Corinthians, you'll remember tongue and tongue. Tongue is gibberish, and tongues are the multiple languages that, that, uh, that were around at the time. Setting aside, So Paul's showing that counterfeit gift of tongues, and he's sitting alongside the true gift of tongues, and he's comparing them. As well as, he's also comparing the true gift of tongues with the spiritual gift of prophecy or speaking forth the things of God. And the, the key to understand this particular passage is in Paul's opening to the Corinthians that they should follow after charity or to pursue love in their exercise of their spiritual gifts. They're to pursue love. They're to build up each other, not pursue pride and vain and, and want to be somebody in the, in the church. And love, seeking to edify others instead of making yourself look important. So, <clears throat> one more thing that might cause a few of you to wonder, as it did me. I, when, I, when I study a list and I think about, well, what does this mean? 
I make a note to write it down and make sure I figure out exactly what that means. In verse 5, he says, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Now, what does that mean? He just got done talking about that the gift of tongues was not necessarily the greatest gift that prophecy is, and the counterfeit tongue was being misused or mis uh, misapplied, not real, gibberish. So now why is Paul saying, I wish that you all spoke in tongues? So I think here that Paul is showing that the gift of true tongues or language is indeed a spiritual gift from God and a valuable one, but that it does have limited use, that of speaking in a language, which some attending may not be able to understand unless somebody speaks their language. And if everyone had this true gift of tongues, wouldn't it also decrease the notoriety? Wouldn't be considered as special anymore since everybody had it. Wouldn't be such a claim to fame. Why? My gift is speaking in tongues. Well, if everybody had it, what would it be to brag about? You know? Even then, however, prophecy is still regarded by Paul as being much more useful spiritual gift for the edification of the church. Think about it. Tongues, in and of itself, is simply speaking. It's speaking a language. If I just start talking and reading, you know, a bulletin, or reading the, the words of a hymn or something, are you being edified by that? Not unless it's the, the contents what would edify you. So tongues are a means to an end. They're not the end. Tongues, the show, is not the end. That's the wrong way to look at that, but the Corinthians were looking at that. Instead, the prophecy, the speaking forth the things of God, that's where the content lies. That's where you would be edified in the body of Christ. And so he continues on in verse 6. But now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you? Unless I speak to you either by revelation or of knowledge or prophecy or of teaching. Yet even lifeless instruments, whether the flute or harp in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or the harp? For if the trumpet produces an indistinct indistinct sound who will prepare himself for battle so you too unless you produce intelligible speech by the tongue how how will it be known what is spoken for you will just be talking to the air talking to the air <laughs> paul had to have a sense of humor so here paul once again speaks of the proper use of tongues or languages and, and makes it clear that even that true gift of tongues must contain some truth to be communicated if it's to be useful or edifying at all to the, the, to the people, to the church. He writes that it still must contain some revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching to be useful. You know, the fact that I'm speaking in another language does not make the message somehow more valuable. You know, I may sound romantic if I'm speaking in maybe Italian, right? But what am I saying? What are my words? What do they mean? You have to know that, the content. You know, maybe I'm speaking German and you think I'm mad all the time, right? So, so the tongues in and of themselves are not something to be clamored after, but yet the content is. So just speaking a different language is not a message that would edify. That's not the goal. It's a, only a means to a goal. And the goal is to communicate. The goal is to communicate with each other, okay? The goal is to communicate. I love the way Paul uses these musical instruments incorrectly. He mentions it to demonstrate the counterfeit tongues. You know, me trying to play a song on the piano, if it's not chopsticks or some little, maybe a couple measures of some songs that you might, it's going to be bad. 
It's going to be garbage. Okay? Now, Patrick might get up and play a little dilly and you pick it up right off the bat. Why? Because he plays something that's understandable, right? That's kind of what he's saying here. You know, if, if you don't understand it, if it's, if it's not even sensible, how, will you, how does it have any value? The content is, is just smeary. It's, it's all muddy. You don't even know what they're saying if it's in gibberish. But yet if it's a language that's understood by someone, either interpreted or that person interprets the language, then it can be useful. Just like the music that's properly played on the piano that we can sing to. We do, every, we do it every day, don't we? So just think, we're using an example of Paul every day when we sing our hymns and stuff. So Paul says these unintelligible, speech, unintelligible speeches would be like speaking to the air, not talking to someone, but just rattling off in your head like some insane person. But not yet content that he's made his point, Paul continues on with verse 10. There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and none is incapable of meaning. In other words, there's different languages, and you can speak in a lot of different languages and still communicate. Verse 11, so if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be unintelligible to the one who speaks, and the one who speaks will be unintelligible to me. So you too, since you're eager to possess spiritual gifts, strive to excel for the edification of the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue is to pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unproductive. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit, but I will pray with the mind also. In other words, I want to know what I'm saying so that I may pray with sense. I will sing with the spirit, but I will sing with the mind also. You're not just going la, 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 la like you're you know, kids do before they learn to speak and they hear music, la, 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 la. You know, they're happy and stuff, and they're having a good time. But it really, how are you going to sing along with that? How are you going to know what they're even thinking other than I'm happy, right? That's kind of what Paul's talking about here. Verse 16, he says, For otherwise, if you bless God in the Spirit only, how will the one who occupies the place of the outsider know to say the amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you're saying? For you're giving thanks well enough, but the other person's not edified. You know, it's like listening into some foreign language, you know. You, well, he sounds mad, or he sounds happier, but you have no idea what they're actually saying. It just gives you a general overall feeling, and sometimes that feeling could be wrong. As I mentioned, if you're speaking German, you may think I'm mad. If I'm speaking maybe Italian or French, maybe you think I'm, I'm speaking a language of love, right? But the Corinthians were speaking in the language of gibberish. It was just all emotional, being worked up, the ecstatic language that they had used when they were worshiping the pagan, the pagan gods and the, the idolatry. So he, he says here, true languages are many, and each can be used to communicate truths, but to understand anything, you've got to be able to understand the language. Spiritual gifts are given for edification of the whole church and the people inside. So we must always be able to understand that language or else have an interpreter. And then he continues in verse 14, whether we pray or sing or bless God, you've got to be able to understand. So you can say, Amen, let it be, I agree. At the giving of thanks at the end of the prayer. And so, you know, even if you're speaking in true language and no one is there to interpret, how will people know what you're saying? How will people even know what you're saying? It's not edifying. You know, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, God said, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. How are we going to love God with our mind and be able to pray and, and to sing and to, if we have no idea what we're even saying ourselves, if we're using some gibberish language? Is that loving God with your mind? The answer is no. It's just gibberish. It's emotional up, outworking of some feeling that you might be having. So the Corinthians, while they're practicing these noises, which did nothing to edify one another, they did, since they didn't have meaning, they're simply enjoying this experience. They're enjoying the experience and the same things that they used to do with their carnal, their pagan celebrations. You know, they, even their minds were not clear. Even they didn't know what they were saying because it was nonsense. Speaking in another language, however, was something apparently that Paul did frequently. It's interesting. How many times do you hear Paul saying, now, when I was with uh, you know, the Samaritans, I spoke you know, this language. When I was, he doesn't really say anything about that, does he? I don't think it's recorded anywhere in Scripture that, Paul, that captured Paul speaking in different tongues. But yet here he says, verse 18, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Nevertheless, in church I prefer to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also, rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. 10,000 words in a tongue, singular, nonsense, gibberish. He'd rather speak five words that are intelligible to others. Love God, love your spouse, honor me. Six words. He'd rather speak those than 30 minutes or an hour of just getting up and running around and proclaiming gibberish. In verse 18, Paul indicates that he'd spoken in different languages and you know, he uses that, uh, that word up. And, and we don't have any instance where, where it's recorded. And yet, was that due to the fact that tongues was so counterfeited that Paul did not want to bring that up? Or was it maybe just because Paul didn't find it something to brag about? God gave him the ability to communicate with people that he didn't know their language. And so when Paul's talking about the gospel and he begins to speak, it just comes out as, you know, Spanish. And then when the person answers back, he understands the Spanish. That That's the gift of tongues then goes down the road a little farther maybe is there a different, la different language and Paul just speaks and he's communicating that's the spiritual gift of tongues to be able to speak to others who you don't know their language but yet you can speak their language and understand it so I think that Paul was blessed with those varied languages just as he traveled along his journeys and, and, and told others about Christ and you know, I see those tongues being used practically by the speaker as a, you know, it's automatic. It's, you know, and it just involuntary. I don't have to work it up. It's just I automatically just speak their language. They can understand, and the hearer can understand. And the best example we have of that is at Pentecost, of course, when many of Christ's disciples were gathered together in Jerusalem at the big feast. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a noise like a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. Let me skip down a little bit more. Well, and there were Jews residing in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together, and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why, are not 
all these are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear them each in our own language to which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phygeria, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and all parts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty deeds of God. They all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? What is the gift of tongues? It's a sign gift. What is it pointing to? It's pointing to the work that God is doing, this new thing that Jesus Christ is coming to the world to save sinners, right? Something that, that the Jews, they had perverted that. They had lost that. And yet here you have all these disciples of Christ proclaiming the works of Christ in different languages, and they can all see, and it's a sign that this is the true, authentic work of God. This is the gift of tongues that's properly used to bring honor and glory to God and edify the church. And as we see a little bit later, there was a lot of evangelism went on too, weren't there? So I think that's an important part of, of the, the gift of tongues is, is listed there. That's in Acts 2. And if we go back to Corinthians and we look at verse 19, Paul says that nevertheless in church, nevertheless in church, and then he begins to talk about prophesy, speak forth things, edify one another, build each other up in Christ. The proper use of tongues is to communicate with others using their own native language. It's not to be used when you and I are communicating and we can use English. Why confuse matters more by trying to speak some gift, some tongue that you know? If you're going to speak to me, I, I, it's got to be in English. The rest of it is, you know, Greek to me. It's not intended to be used weekly at every time you gather. And he's he'd earlier spoken of a prophecy as being more valuable for edification. And he equates those five words of, of sense as greater than 10,000 words of some non-sense. That word for 10,000 he uses is where we get the word myriad. Like myriads and myriads of, you know, it just means an un unfathomable number. So Paul's really saying, just speak a few words to me that I can understand. That will edify us. Verse 20, brothers and sisters, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. And the law is written by men of strange tongues, and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people. And even so, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Let me stop right there just for a minute. This, Paul is basically uh, talking about in Isaiah 28 when God used people that spoke foreign language to discipline his children. And they would not listen. There's two other times in Deuteronomy and, and uh, Jeremiah 5 where, once again, God used foreign nations to discipline his people. And that's what he's talking about here. <clears throat> so he brought people in with these different languages to discipline the people of, of discipline his, his people, and they would not listen. They would not turn, and God did have to discipline them. Think about what's happening in this new age this new covenant this covenant of the church god brings these disciples we just read in acts chapter 2 they were speaking these different languages did the jews listen to those different languages or did they say no they're just drunk they said they were just drunk did they listen to them any more than those old testament and judah and, and deuteronomy mentioned in isaiah they didn't listen anymore so paul says he's kind of given the answer here they will not listen to me. 
And he's talking about the Jews primarily. They, they didn't want any part to do with Christ. They didn't want to listen, even though the, this supernatural gift of tongues, they would not listen. It's in Isaiah 28, 11. So, the gift of tongues, I'm wrapping up here, I'm trying to do. The gift of tongues was primarily meant for believers, the unbelievers. Getting all flustered here. The gift of tongues was meant as a evangelism or to speak to unbelievers. Okay? It was meant for those that are not normally there. But if we're talking to believers and we're gathered here for church, there's no purpose to use tongues. And even if we could, I'm saying so. We're, we're back in the days of the Corinthians. There's no reason to start speaking some foreign language unless there's somebody there that can understand it and, and interpret it for everybody. Otherwise, we're just, we're just confounding things. So he, he continues on and explains that prophecy is primarily for the believers and would be used many times more than tongues to edify the body of Christ. And it has the added element of being able to be understood by both the believers and the unbelievers. So if an unbeliever comes to the Corinthian church, he can still hear and understand the things of God and be convicted and fall on his face and worship God, verse 25 says. But if someone comes in and all that's going on is a bunch of gibberish and, and hoo-ha that just doesn't make any sense, what are they going to say? Man, that's one crazy bunch of people gathered in there. Don't go back there anymore. But yet if they hear sense and God convicts them, then they will fall on their face and, and worship God. That's I, probably the same reaction I've had today. I think I did attend a church one time when it got rowdy. And I felt really bad inside. It really just, I didn't know what to do. It was scary for me. And I ended up leaving because it just, I couldn't make sense out of it. So where does that leave us? We kind of flew through this part today, but it's pretty easy to understand this, the scriptures so where's that leave us well good thing paul finishes up this chapter 14 with some general instructions that's where we'll pick up next week <laughs> any questions or, or comments about what we've talked about today i know i went fast but we'll pray lord do, we do thank you for your word we thank you for the instruction we thank you for the uh the inspired word that uh that we read today even from paul and and the other writers of Scripture, that you have preserved it for our use. Teach us to be like the, uh, uh, those who search the Scriptures to make sure that the things were so that we, that we hear. I pray you'd strengthen us here today, that you would use your word, that you'd convict us of sin and of righteousness, and that we would all grow in, in, in the knowledge of you. We do pray you'd be with Patrick in the service to come, that you'd give him clarity of speech and of mind, and that we would be able to understand what we hear that we would change us and that we would learn those things that you have for us here today. In Christ's name, amen.